empower veterinary leaders to reach their full potential, inspire their teams, drive innovation, and achieve their goals. In this podcast, we speak to hospital managers, company owners, industry leaders, veterinarians, veterinary technicians, and support staff who are at the forefront of animal health care. On today's episode, we're talking about what happens when you promote a veterinary team member into a leadership role. Are you promoting the right person into the right seat? Very interesting and kind of hot topic, I feel like, nowadays. Yeah, so let's get to it. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I've got a little bit of an itis thingy going on here, uh, um, but uh, definitely feeling better than I was earlier this week. Well, that's good. How are you doing today, Susan? I'm doing all right. Uh, Just over here, surrounded by my books. As always, I love it. The book collection just keeps growing and growing. I know it's it's getting to the point where it's gonna like fall over and it's scaring me. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get you some good bookshelves. I know there's more books. Play them proudly. There's more books all around this room, so I don't know what we'll do. Anyway, um, so yeah, promoting your team member into a into a leadership role, um. I think that a lot of times we think that we need to promote the person that's been there the longest. Um, I remember as a hospital leader, we were actually looking for a medical director and they, the, the team members were all like, oh, we need to get the, the strongest surgeon or we need to get somebody who can teach our doctors to do things. Um, and it would have been you know, easy ish to find a really great surgeon within our network to be able to do that. But what I was concerned about was, is this person just because they're good at what they do? Is this person, you know, a good leader? And even, you know, your technician or your, your front desk person, if they're, they could be like the best customer service representative in the entire world, but do they know how to teach other people how to do that? Right. Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, the whole like stigma comes in where us working from the floor and along those lines is we knew that the person that was there the longest was the next one that was going to be up for a promotion. Um, Even if we didn't feel that that person was the right person, uh, it was just kind of, you know, corporate or the owner's way of saying, well, you've been here, here's a good job, you know, you've, you deserve this instead of you've earned this. And that's kind of the part where it's, it's a little sour with some people, I think. Um, and looking back um, and talking, you know, a little bit more about like right person, right seat. Uh, I think like one of the things leaders really do need to look at before they are um, looking to fill those positions is, is this somebody that can lead people? Um, not just because you're amazing at anesthesia and like your CPR skills are great and your venipuncture stuff is like on point and you know how you could tape an IV catheter with your eyes closed. Can you lead other people to do that as well? Um, can you also help bring balance onto the floor when there's those like tensions are getting high, those kind of things as well? Um, how do those people react when those things happen? Um, fight or flight mode, what kicks in for them? And those are all really important things to look at when you're looking to promote these people, I think. Yeah. And it, it also makes me think of, you know, you just said, you know, just because you have the the best, you know, venipuncture skills, can you stand back and let somebody else do it? I, I remember when I was 
one of the questions that was asked to me during my interview when I was going into becoming a hospital manager from being a technician on the floor was how are you going to handle no longer being on the floor? And I'll be honest with you, it was challenging. It was challenging mm -hmm. even for somebody who loves to teach and loves to train other people to not jump in and, and do the thing. You know, we had a CPR come in and it was so hard. I'm the manager now. How do I step back and let the team do the job and only step in when I have to instead of stepping in and just doing it for them? I think that, you know, our our roles as being, you know, maybe the best person in that in skilled person in that role, a lot of times we're more efficient, right? That's why we're the best is because we can do mm -hmm. it faster or we can do it better. Um, but people are never going to learn if you don't let them do it. And if you are mm -hmm. sitting there and you're jumping in for the CPR or you're like, you know what, forget it. This, this is an old dachshund. I'll just get the blood because I know I can get it. And I don't want you to have to like take forever to do it or, you know, oh, let's just throw the pet down and do some x-rays one, two, three, because I know I can get it in three view in three clicks versus you it might take six, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, sometimes you have to just like take a step back, take a deep breath and let the people learn. Um, and that's really hard for people when they're first, first getting it into the leadership role. Yeah. I mean, we're all comfortable doing what we know, what we can do and what we know we're good at. And yeah. Those are kind of those things that like you fall back on um, too. Once you do get into that leader role, whatever it's like, well, I'm going to pull blood today and I'm going to run some blood and stuff like that. Even though you do have assistants that can go ahead and do that stuff for you. I've seen leaders fall into that all the time. It's like, what are you doing? We got this. We can, we can handle this. And being the nurse that's on the floor, having to remind that leader um, kind of puts it into a little bit of a perspective. And you also have to remember you have other team members that are watching, you know, and like watching a nurse kind of like tell their leader, Hey, we got this. You don't have to worry about it. Kind of also lessens what that leader looks like and other people, um, which is something that I've seen happen. Uh, I wasn't the one telling, you know, the leaders, like we got this, that stuff. I was watching leaders rely more on nursing staff and talking with them more of, well, I think we should do this. And I think we should do this. What do you think? Do you think it's okay if we don't have the on-call come in tonight? I don't think we need them. And it kind of made us feel like, are you the right person for this, this role? Yeah. Like, are you actually leading the team? There's it's one thing about, you know, asking for your team's input. It's another thing of being able to be the decision maker. And I think, you know, as the, as a leader, in the hospital, whether you're a hospital manager or you're a medical director or you're in a regional position, if you're hiring those supervisors, et cetera, when you're hiring these roles, if you're looking at the, the existing team, I think there's something to be said about, you know, promoting within and, and putting the right people in the right seats. But you also have to be mindful that if you don't have somebody who has that capability right now, maybe you should be looking on the outside to hire from outside and spend a little extra on teaching them about the company culture and all of that stuff to put the right leader in the right role. Um, especially if it's a time sensitive thing, if you have the time, find the person that has the beginning skills or the person that has the already like 
developed communication skills Mm -hmm. that wants to be in the leadership role, because that's another piece too, right? You always have to talk to your team to make sure that they actually want to be a leader. Could you like, have you seen people? I know I have seen people put in leadership roles and they're like, I did not want this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how are you going to be an effective leader if you don't even want the role? You know, they were like, oh, they put me in this role because there was nobody else. Yeah. And that's kind of scary. I mean, I've heard shift leads say, no, they just gave me this role because I'm the strongest person that's here during this shift. And it's just kind of like, okay, um, it's great that you're the strongest person on shift, but what's going to happen when like crap hits the fan and a bunch of things come in the door at one time and we need somebody to guide us. Are you able to do that? Yeah. And it's, it's scary too. Like, you know, also for you to go around and tell the rest of your team, like, oh, they just put me in this role because I'm like, good at it, whatever. What does that say about your leaders? You know, like, what does that say about what else is going on? And of course, then that puts it into perspective for like your other nurses and assistants and doctors to be like, does leadership even care about what's happening on the floor right now? Or are they just trying to put somebody in a seat? Yeah. I mean, you bring up a really good point that actually it's a little bit off topic, but it kind of brings me to a conversation I had just the other day about like leadership caring. And I think that I'll try to like not get too, not get too much on a tangent, but I think that, you know, a lot of times it's less what is said and more what is done or not done. And so, you know, I was told, Hey, well, they don't really, we don't do that because they don't really care about us. And I was like, but, but it, it, this is, we're talking about safety here. And like, I don't care if they don't care about you. I care about you. So we're going to be safe and we're going to do it my way because this is the safe Uh way. And you know, then later on found out that she doesn't have a radiology badge and she's been there for almost a year. And so she's doing x-ray holding for x-rays and in New York state, you're not supposed to hold for x-rays unless it's an emergency. This particular situation was not an emergency and the patient was stable and there's no reason we're holding for x-rays, but she also doesn't have a radiology badge and she's been holding for x-rays for the last year. And so not only does she say like, oh, well, they don't care if we hold or not because they don't care about us. The the other piece to that is that they're actually showing that they don't care by not making sure you have an x-ray badge. So it's it's like those things, right? It's not just what you say. It's also what you do is the point of that, right? It's it's let's put somebody in a, in a leadership role. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're the best. You're the strongest person. That makes me feel good. Woohoo. But then then what? Like, mm-hmm. okay, now you're the leader. What, what do I do now? Yeah. I'm, I'm the leader now. Cool. I'm the shift lead guys. Um, the shit yeah. sitting fan there. Oh, you're all looking at me. I have no idea because I'm, I'm just a great technician. I don't know what, yeah. to do, right. Yeah. It's not showing that my leadership actually cares about me as a leader. And now I have to go be a leader to this team. I don't know what I'm doing. So now they think I don't care. Mm-hmm. So it just trickles down and it makes it even worse. And then we wonder, we sit back in these staff meetings that are four hours long and are wondering why our culture sucks. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and like we said, it trickles down to everyone else. And you also have doctors that get involved in this stuff. And the doctors are like, I'm confused as to why there's so many positions. Why are there so many leaders? Why do I need a leader to lead a leader? 
like kind of thing. And it's also confusing for chain of command. Who do yeah. I go to? Am I going to my shift lead? If my yeah. hospital manager is here, am I going to my shift lead before my hospital manager? Do I need to play that game of telephone where yeah. something needs to be addressed ASAP? Do I have to bring that to my shift lead and then my shift lead's going to have that at their shift lead meeting and then they're going to talk about it three days later and then the manager's going to go, how come this wasn't brought to me sooner? Like, what does that chain of command look like yeah. as well? And yeah. like, that's a huge piece, especially when things are happening, especially if things are happening with your shift leads. You yeah. can't go to your shift leads about your shift leads. Who do I go to next? And yeah. that that's part of communication. Yeah. And does that leader that you're putting into this position know what things are also in their realm, what they can take care of, what things need to go to the next person above them? Um, if somebody's coming to me to talk to me about like stuff that's like, if I'm the shift lead and somebody's like, hey, I didn't clock in, you need to talk to the hospital manager. I can't take care of that for you. Like, is that something that like I have them message you right away about, you know, something along those lines. Like if you're not in the building, what would you like me to do? Who should I contact? There's three of you. There's a hospital manager, there's an assistant manager and a medical director. Who do I get in touch with? You know, I don't want to be calling the wrong person at midnight. Like, Hey, we're out of oxygen. I don't know what to do. And you Um, know what? I'm the fifth lead either. Having lunch or having their lunch break at two o'clock in the morning. They told me to get in touch with you. Like, and that's like the part that is just like, then the rest of the team sees what's going on and they're like, why do we have this person? Yeah, why, it's so funny. Is, it's so confusing. It, it's so funny that you bring that up because I've I've worked in, in multiple different organizations from like big, huge corporate consolidator to small individual company, like individually owned company. And I, I found that a lot of times I'm asking that question, like, why is there so much leadership? Like, why mm-hmm. do we have two hospitals and three hospital managers? Why do we have a, why do we have a hospital manager, a hospital director, two nursing managers, a medical director, a culture director, all in one building? Like, why? Mm-hmm then I have shift leads and I have like all in one building. And, and it brings me to like, even from the start of your employment, if you don't know who you're supposed to go to, it just like, what am I supposed to do? Right. And, and it also makes me think like, when you have that many layers of leadership, is it, is the root cause of that? Because the person who is on the top has, is maybe the wrong person, right? Maybe they weren't the right person. Maybe your hospital manager or hospital director or owner or whatever, maybe they don't have enough leadership skill to understand what should be delegated, what shouldn't be delegated. They feel so overwhelmed that they just go hiring people to take care of all the things that they don't know how to do. Absolutely. And the other part of it too is, are you pouring into your hospital leaders? Are you helping them? with continuing education are you helping them with things that they need um hospital leaders and i've seen it personally over the last two years they're the ones that are struggling the most um just trying to get that disconnect from the higher ups and their people that they have on the floor is there's so much i feel like there's that gap between what's going on with the higher ups and what's happening in the hospitals 
there's no connection there. And even though the hospital manager is saying, well, I have this and this and this that's going on, that's just surface level of what's happening. That is just them trying to get the top three things that they can get taken care of by corporate. That's not like the little Ted Lasso things that I like to talk about, like the shower pressure. You know, it's not showing like your team, like those things, like the things that your hospital leaders are fighting for and stuff like that have to benefit the whole hospital. Yeah, It's not just kind of showing the team like a little part here and there, you know, like yeah. we talk about like, we can't do raises this year because we just had to spend $20,000 to get our x-ray table fixed. You know, that was a big chunk of money. I know coming from the floor and working like in the, in the kennel, I don't know how much that stuff costs. Yeah. There's no price tags. I mean, Price is Right was great growing up as a kid, but there was none of that stuff was stuff that we use every day. Yeah. You know, it's not like the IDEX machines and the Abaxa stuff and, you know, all of that stuff, the computer software. We don't know how much that stuff costs coming from the floor. So letting your team know, like, hey, we were only allotted this much to get this stuff done. And, hey, we know that we need to run efficient. We all know that this is broken and this is broken and this is what our money is going towards. And being able to tell your team those kind of things. But like hospital leaders, then again, also feel like they can't tell them those things. Yeah. That it's stuff that needs to be kept secret because we don't let them know what happens behind the curtains and things along those lines. But that's what's really going to like help with your team more, obviously, and like with that trust and like communication. But that also kind of sets the foundation for like you as a leader. And, like, showing where your priorities stand and, like, you're there for your team. Yeah. And you're going to prove that you're going to be there for the team. You're not there for the money. You're not there for anything else. You're there for the team and the pets. Yeah. So we're all we're all in it for the animals. I think, I think sometimes, you know, what happens is leaders shy away from having those conversations. Oh, my goodness. We have a friend. Forever. <laughs> For everyone that's listening, um, you can't see him, but this is Maudie. Uh, he is a great dame that I am currently pet sitting for, and he is as tall as a table, so he just popped <laughs> his way into the, uh, the recording over here. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's so cute. Um, <laughs> so I totally lost track of what I was saying because he's the cutest thing ever. Um, no, I think that people shy away from um, talking about how much things cost because all they see is how much we're charging our 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 clients and the pet mm -hmm. owners and they're like oh well you know fluffy's mom just spent ten thousand dollars on their surgery and they can't even afford like think speaking as an assistant right and they can't yeah. even afford more than a 20 cent raise for me this year and so i think that people get nervous about sharing how much things cost and explaining that while, you know, yes, Fluffy spent $10,000, we also have, you know, we're in New York City and rent is hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like we are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on things like utilities and lights and payroll and things like that. And I think that people, leadership, managers get tend to be like nervous about the the negative feelings around that honesty and mm -hmm. you know if they'll get backlash I think that there's or if people will even care right I think there's there's also that as an assistant I'll be completely honest with you I didn't want to go to staff meetings and hear how much money we made um 
how many, I think I like hearing how many people we've helped or how many pets we've helped, but hearing like how much money we've made, it doesn't mm -hmm. resonate with me because I only know what comes in my paycheck. So I think what you're saying is including how much money we made, how much money we're spending kind of gives a full picture to people. So then they're like, oh, okay, that's why. And maybe I don't spend a lot of time on that, but just like enough that's like, so that people understand where you're coming from. But, you know, I think that transparency and that honesty really sets the tone for the rest of everything, right? People will feel more comfortable coming to you because you're not only giving them like half the story, right? You're giving them mm -hmm. the full story, the full picture of, you know, yes, we, we are doing this and our prices are this because of this. This is why these are the things that we want to do because of this. This is why, yes, we want to, we want your input, but ultimately as the manager, as the leader, the ultimate decision is up to the leadership. So what yeah. do you want to do? What, what would you like to do? Give us the reasons why, and then we'll, sh we'll share with you why we've decided to go that route, because maybe your what you want to do, it costs a hundred million dollars. What we're going to do is maybe a little less costly gives us the same result at the end of the day, but, you know, kind of keeps us able to give you that raise or to do the things that we want to do. In when I was um, a practice manager, we had uh, monthly meetings with, with everybody around, um, all, all staff was on board. And uh, I actually asked everybody um, that was there, I said, what do you think the most important, like the most expensive equipment in this building is? And they started naming off everything. And I clicked like my next slide on the PowerPoint. And I said, what if I said it was you guys? And it was like, there's a bunch of fingers like pointing at everybody else and said, it's like you. And they looked at me, I said, payroll is the most expensive thing. Not the lights, not the rent, not that stuff. It's, it's payroll. And putting that into perspective for them a little bit, I think kind of also helped them to realize like, yeah, we did a $5,000 surgery but we have really skilled and trained doctors that deserve that money and deserve that. Um, and it's hard to like, you know, switch your mind into thinking like differently along those lines. Cause at the end of the day, we're all concerned about what's hitting my bank account mm -hmm. and what's, what's going to be for me, but thinking a little bit more outside the box of it's not just my bank account. There's like seven other bank accounts that are here in this building mm -hmm. that are also being affected, you know, and putting that like a little bit more into perspective, like, yes, we all know doctors make more money, all of that stuff, but they also have so much knowledge and so many skill sets and they deserve that. It's kind of like that earn and deserve kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. like they deserve to, to, to do those things. So when we're hearing, like when I hear like we've made this much money and that stuff. And my brain personally, because I've had the experience, I know half of that is going towards payroll and that's basically payroll. Um, and then in my brain, the other half of it is going towards what needs to get fixed, our rent, our utilities, lights so we can make sure that's on, cable so we can make sure the phones are still ringing, you know, those kind of things. But it's hard to train people to think that way. When you have those people that are on the floor that are just thinking, I need to figure out this ampicillin dose and that stuff, like their brains aren't thinking that way. So how do you get your team to think that way? You know, yeah. I what think it's also, 
Sorry. Yeah. I think, I think it's also, you know, the people that we're hiring, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are we hiring? Do you have a team of people that are negative Nancy's that all they think about is, you know, how this is negatively affecting them? Or are we Mm -hmm. thinking about how, which don't get me wrong. Like at the end of the day, what affects us personally is really important, right? Because we have to go home and we have to take care of our families and we have to take care of our houses and our lives and, and all of the things. But if we are working as a team, we should be thinking and trying to hire those people that are thinking about the team as a whole. And especially if we're looking to our team on who is the next person we're going to promote into that leadership role, who's going to be our bench, who's going to be, I'm the hospital manager. I want to make sure that I have somebody who I can train up to take my space when I'm ready to go to a regional position or, or elsewhere. And you know, how do we find those people as we're hiring people that have that mentality, you know, that, that maybe already come in with that mentality and just need a little bit of shaping and, and love on that, um, versus having to start from square one and, and having people that have this, like all about me thing and trying to teach them how to be all about the team. I think it's a lot harder to do that. Um, granted, if you're coming into a hospital as a new hospital manager with an existing team, you you don't have any ability to affect what you're walking into, right? So there's also that, you know, there's different perspectives there. Do you have an existing team? You're a hospital manager. You've been there for a while. You're a medical director. You've been there for a while and you have this team that you hired or are you walking into this position that you have people that were hired by somebody else and now you have to decide who is the right person to be in these roles. Are these people that are already in these existing thousands of leadership roles in my building um, the right people to be there? And how do we finesse it and and teach them and care for them and show them how to be a leader? Um, you know, I think that there's, there's a lot of that going on too. Oh, yeah. I mean, the human brain is programmed to think in the negative. So the minute we hear something, automatically we're going to think negative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's once you have that negative thought, what's the next thought that you're having after that? That's the key. And I think that's where leaders should really start when you're hiring these people, asking those questions, you know, giving them that scenario where, yeah, this just happened. What's your next step? Um having that, well, that kind of sucks that that happened, you know, mentality, but this is how I would fix it. Those are the people that you're going to want that are going to be your leaders, not the, well, I can't believe that happened. Now this is going to go wrong. Now this is going to go wrong. This is going to go wrong. Those, you know, negative Nancy's um, are the people that you don't want to stick in those seats. Uh, But unfortunately, those people do end up in those seats because of seniority. And they've been there so long that they they deserve that spot because they've been there so long. And it's something that they were told 15 years ago when they were hired that they would eventually be practice manager. And I think that's something else to talk about as well is when you're hiring people and people for spots. Um, I've come across it recently where uh, applied somebody applied for a position, but a hospital manager had a different trajectory and was like, well, I would like them to do more technical things on the floor, be one-on-one with doctors, train some people, and then go into more of like an educator role. And that's not what that person 
had applied for, but it's because of what they look like on paper and their experience that they had, that that was the path that they wanted them to go down, even though that wasn't the path that the person had wanted. And if this hospital manager would have like talked with them a little bit more and like, you know, understood, I think that they would have understood that this person had more skill sets than just being able to teach how to place IV catheters and run anesthesia, um, which a lot of us can do, you know, not everybody can do it so effectively. And like having like the teaching background and stuff that this person had was great, but it just kind of like sunk that automatically this person, this manager was thinking, well, I want them to go down this role. And it's like, are you really leading your people? Are you really thinking about what's it best for them? Like, five, 10 years down the line? Or are you thinking about the right here and the right now? Yeah. And I think to, to go even a step further is that's what you want as a hospital leader. What do they want as the person that you're hiring or the person on that's already on your team? I think that, mm-hmm. you know, when, when those two things don't align, that's when you start to get into that really, you know, touchy waters, you know, those, those choppy waters where you're saying, I really need you to be in this role. Okay. But what do you actually want to do? And how do we together get you there? I need you in this role today, because that's the role that we need. But I know that your, your, you know, passion lies in this. So how do we, how do we solve the the problem today with the outlook of the future i think that that is how you get that candidate or get that person to be on board with that initial like maybe today i'm not doing what i want to do but because you've made it very clear that you care about what i want to do i can feel confident and comfortable that we'll get there versus the alternative which is yeah we're gonna hire you on as a uh trainer to do this education thing um and you know eventually that will lead to a supervisor position well what does that mean yeah when is eventually when is eventually what does that mean is it what i'm actually looking for you didn't ask me any questions about what i'm looking for what i how i see myself in five ten years even two years like honestly like people in in vet med on the floor, the the lifespan is very short, unfortunately. So I, I don't even know that I can say like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I think it's more like, where do you see yourself in a year or two? How do you see yourself growing here? And how do I, as a leader, get you there? That shows that shows somebody as as a candidate or as a person on on your team already that you really care about their future, that you really care about what they're doing. And to me, even as somebody who isn't yet a leader, if I see those conversations happening, that's the person I want in that role. That's the person. If I see somebody on the floor talking like, hey, Sarah, what do you want to do you know, how what you're, oh, you're a new assistant. You just started in the company or you just started in vet med. Are you, are you looking to become a technician? Are you going back to school to be a doctor? What, what do you want to do? When you hear those conversations happening on the floor, the person asking those questions is genuinely interested. Those are the leaders. And those are the ones too, that are going to help that person with the skill sets that they're trying to learn. You know, yeah. it's not like, 
those people aren't just asking those questions just to be friendly and nice on the floor. It's, yeah, that case is going to come through the door. They're going to say, hey, Sarah was trying to learn how to do this. Yeah. Sarah's here today. Sarah, are you busy? No, come on over here. Yeah. Excuse me, that I just. No. It's but okay. those are the people, like you said. And the only way you're going to see if that those conversations are happening is uh, if you're out on the floor, too, and not hiding in your office. Oh, yeah, uh, good that's point. That's the other big part, you know. You want to be out on the floor, too, seeing what's happening. And also, letting your staff, like, everybody, their support staff know, like, you're out on the floor so you can, like, see what's going on. You're not there. This isn't an evaluation. You're not, like, you tape that IV catheter horribly. Like, that's, no. You're out there just to see, like, the conversations that are going on, where the disconnect is. You're out there so they can see your face. Yeah. Uh, it's also great for the doctors to be able to see your face too, where they're like, Hey, I have this question. I really want to do this, but it's a financial concern um, where they're not having to go run and try to find you in an office. Um, I think too, scheduling that time to be on the floor and letting your, your support staff know, Hey, I'm yes. going to be working from this doctor station today. I got a couple emails and stuff I have to send out, but if you need me, this is where you can find me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be hiding in my office. Um, that also like also shows your your CSRs and your um, reception team too that like you're there to hang out and like they can come and ask you questions as opposed to having to like call back to your office. I hated doing that. I hated having to like pick up the phone and call the hospital manager and I could see them through the windows because it was a fishbowl and watch them. All of them ignore my call and I'm like, okay, give me one second hang up the phone and get up and walk the 50 feet into their office and be like, hi, I have a question. And you'd be like, oh, what's up? And it's like, first question, did you not hear the phone? Second question, <laughs> here's my question. But it's, it was, it got to be kind of like, if they're not going to care about answering a phone because they can see that I'm clearly paging and like look out to be like, oh, which one is it? Like that shows me that you really don't care. You know, yeah. in that and that time right there, you just don't care. I'm trying to help this pet and this family with some things. I need your approval because, of course, it was big corporate and money kind of thing. And I need your approval to say, yes, they can come back and pay on Friday, even though they're dropping $1,200 right now. And that's their rent. And I feel horrible because um, they just want to help their, their dog, which the dog ended up being fine and they ended up being able to pay their rent but that was a different story yeah but it's still like really annoying that I have to now and of course it also shows in front of like these these customers that I have sitting here that I'm like hold on one second let me go get up and see my manager and then the manager walks on out too and it's like you were out here walking around you know seeing what was going on you would have heard the financial constraints that they were having you would have heard the conversations that me and the receptionist kept going back and forth with the doctors of what can we cut? What can we have them go see their primary? What can we, what can we do? What, 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 what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a manager, like, what's going on over here? What can I help with? Yeah. This is where I come in, you know, and being out on the floor will also like show your team too. Like, wow, they're actually, you're going to jump in and take over this financial stuff. Cool. I'm going to start running blood and doing things with somebody else. And the next case, because that's where my skill set falls in, you know? Yeah. It, helps, I think, it just helps so much more. I think that what I hear from managers is 
that they understand that they need to do that, but they don't know how, right? And so they're like, but I have to do payroll and I have to do the schedule and I have to do the accounts receivable. And my boss is talking to me about the marketing plan and I have to do this. And I think they have this laundry list and it feels like they're a bobblehead going back and forth and back and forth. How am I supposed to be on the floor? And I get no work done when I'm on the floor and then they just get stressed out and all of these things. And then, and then it turns into like a spiral, a negative spiral for them. And so I think like, I don't want to lose sight of supporting the leadership either, right? Like the leader's job is to support the team who's supporting the leader. And I think that, you know, we need to, to be reminded that, you know, it's, it's okay to block your schedule out so that from 10 to 12 on Mondays, nobody's allowed to bother you. That is payroll time. That is schedule time. That is the time that you are focused. And during that time, you're going to call Emily because I'm focused on this. My staff supervisor, whomever Emily is today, <laughs> other than sure. dying of a cold on the Not other Not dying of this cold. <laughs> but, going on. but, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's having that, you know, this is my time. And then from 12 to two, whatever, I'm on the floor. I'm hanging out with the front desk. Not just hanging out. I think like you said it too, like just hang out. Like, I I think that there needs to be intentional time, right? Like you're not sitting on your computer looking busy because then it doesn't matter where you are in the building. Nobody wants to bother you because they want Mm -hmm. to, they, they know that you're busy. They know that your job is important and they don't want to bother you, but you're being visible and available does not mean like this. It means being part of the conversation. It means, you know, helping where you, your skill set allows you to help doesn't mean doing the work for them, but helping them. As a licensed technician, I'm fully capable of being on the floor and helping in the back. But where I didn't spend a lot of time was at the front desk. So I forced, because I wasn't comfortable there. So I forced myself to spend more time at the front desk. I had a a technician supervisor who was working on the floor. There's leadership there. I made sure to pop back there every once in a while to make sure that they saw me during my time. But I also made sure I was answering the phones and I was helping the front desk and I was answering questions and I was available so that from 10 to 12, they would leave me alone you know, and Mm -hmm. they would know how I was going to answer things because they had been hearing me answer them right next to them. So I think that there's that too, right? Like you empower your team to answer the easy questions and not really need you for everything. When they hear how you would respond, do they hear what the right thing to do is? They hear that you're responding in a way that they would respond to. So we're doing the, we're doing the right thing. You know, we, we respond to the, the the questions the right way. What's the best thing for the patient? What's the best thing for the business? What's the best thing for all involved? Well, most people know the answer to that question. They're just too scared to make the decision because they're not the decision maker. But if you hear me saying those things as your hospital manager, you know, if you're not sure, talk to me and I'm happy to tell you like, yeah, you're fine to make that call within reason, right? Like, I don't want my CSR to make a $1,500 call, but if you're talking a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, like at the end of the day, like it's more efficient to just, and a better customer experience to just make that decision, you Mm -hmm. know, 
than to have to wait for me or to wait for somebody or to know who to call. And if you are in a hospital with that many layers of leadership, making sure that, like you said before, making sure that the the who do you reach out for for what is very clear from the get-go. I had a position where I was a technician and I was working in a really large specialty hospital and I got all of the like new hire paperwork and all of that stuff. And I had to ask, like, so I interviewed with this person, but they're not the actual person on the floor who is the manager. Like they're the like big wig person, but not the person who I think should be dealing with my schedule. So who do I actually report to? So I had to ask. That should have yeah. that should have been like early on. Like you should be telling these people who this is who you report to for what if there's more than one person for what, and this is how you get to them, and this is when you can talk, call them. Right? Like we have to protect our peace and our people. So don't Absolutely. don't tell me as an employee that it's okay to call Joe at midnight, and then I call Joe at midnight, and he's like why are you calling me? You know what uh-huh. I mean? Or he doesn't answer because it's midnight. You know, yeah. I, I think it's super important to to make sure that we are being super clear and that we're all aligned and all on the same page. Um, and, you know, that we're supporting every level from the assistant to the leaders, to the people who are leading the leaders, et cetera. Yeah. And I, I think also kind of to just tie this, this all up is it really comes down to that support system and everybody kind of supporting everybody. Um, Not just, you know, I mean, our leaders definitely need a lot of support, but they need support from both ends. They need support from their support staff and they also need support from higher up. So it's kind of like they're that middle person that's like in the middle there. That's like, I get the the both ends Mm -hmm. of the support and it's that give and take as well. Um, making sure that your support staff understands that your need, you need their help and why. And then on the other end of it is I need your help because of this and trying to help bridge that gap once again, as to why we need something from upper management and making sure that that trickles down and our support staff is learning why those things are happening. Everything. Okay. Over there. Yeah, I was, he's as tall as the counter, so I was just making sure he couldn't grab stuff. I think he did grab something. Hold on one second. What no do you problem. have? Real life veterinary med- Oh, he does have something. Oh, this is wonderful. This is totally staying. Give me the doorstop. Oh, man. Give me this. All right, we got it back. We got it. We got it. Yay. He ran off with the doorstop. I saw him like run past me and all I saw was like this part. You can't tell it's just the beginning part of the doorstop in his mouth. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a fun one. (laughs) I saw him literally go up on the counter and grab something. That is so funny. 
So I have this this book by John C. Maxwell. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, he's like a huge, huge author and leadership guru. He's like the godfather of leadership, if you will. And it's um, very well read. It looks like crap, but it's the Maxwell Daily Reader. And what's really funny is I opened it up um, to today, November 1st. Uh, that's when we are recording this. And mm -hmm. the today's is adaptability. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the the bottom part here it's it's so relatable it's creepy it says people who are focused on themselves are less likely to make changes for the team than people focused on serving others if your goal is to serve the team adapting to accomplish that goal isn't difficult the first key to being a team player is being willing to adapt yourself to the team not an expectation that the, the team will ex will adapt to you are you willing to adapt to your team in order to succeed to succeed i think it's just so funny that like how how perfect is that for what we're talking about, right? How perfect. It's it's truly, um, you know, that service-minded being there for each other, care. Like, we we don't work in a, an easy profession by any means and in any level. And, you know, even if you are working in a general practice that all you see is nail trims and vaccines all day, there's still going to be tough clients, tough days, euthanasias, like situations that are are not easy. And I think that, you know, it's really important that we are supporting each other from every level. And mm -hmm. truly assuming good intent, like I, I know that that's sort of like a, a catchy thing right now, but truly, you know, I, this, this idea that somebody doesn't care, I think it's so easy to go there, you know, and knowing that as a leader, that everything you say and everything you do and most importantly the things that you don't do can be viewed as you not caring it's harm it's hurtful when somebody says like they don't care about me yeah and you really really do you know and i think as a leader if somebody ever said you know suzanne doesn't care about me i would go home and cry at night because like I care so much. And if it's not being translated, then I'm doing something wrong. And I think that as leaders, we really need to look at ourselves sometimes and not just have the onus be on other people to support us and, and look at ourselves and say, how can, how can I find the support that I need? And how can I support myself so that I can show up and be the best person for my team? So now I'm talking like a different perspective, right? The perspective of like me as a leader, I want I want my team to know that I care. And the people that I want to work with are the people that want their team to know that they care. And how do we do that? How do we show them that we care? A lot of times it's it's not what we say. No, it's what we, <laughs> we do. It's what we it's the, our actions. And like it's what we do, it's what we don't of, do. Yeah. It's the actions and like leaders could say stuff until they're blue in the face and those kind of things. But until like the actual things happen, you know, like we're going to bring it back to Ted Lasso again, you know, talked about the shower pressure and then they went to go take a shower at the end of the, the episode and the shower pressure was fine. You know, um, they didn't tell them that they were going to fix the showers. They just heard we need to fix the showers. And then they went and, and did that. And like being those kind of leaders where like you're hearing those 
things. It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. This is what I'm going to do to fix that yeah. or try to fix that. Like, that's a big thing. And like, I, it's just, it's more of the actions and hearing that from just so many people on the floor where, oh, our leaders are working on this and they're working on this and they're saying this and it's, have they given you any updates? When was the last time they talked to you about this? That's a big key factor in things too, is we know that it's not going to be fixed overnight. How often are we updating our team? How often are we telling them things that are happening? Um, are we giving them the important details that they need to know? Are, you know, or are we just saying like, well, this isn't happening. Like we had to put this on the back burner because of this. Is that something that's important that we need to take care of right now? Yeah. If it's something that's been going on, you know, and it's more of like asking your team more like, Hey, the, we know that this and this is an issue, but we've noticed this is also an issue. And we think that this is leading into this and this. Are you okay if we tackle this first? Yeah. And also putting that into the perspective for your team members, because like I said, in tech school, they don't teach us how to communicate with each other. They're teaching us math and they're teaching yeah. us how to keep the animals alive. And they don't teach you that in doctor school. They don't teach you that in doctor yeah. school either. They teach you how to med medicine. <laughs> yeah, they teach you how to medicine. They're not teaching you bedside manner. They're not teaching you how to communicate with customers and yeah. with clients and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, you having those leadership skills and stuff like that and being able to point things out, putting those out to your team saying, hey, you might think that this and this is the root of the problem, but I did a little bit more research and this is really where it's all stemming from. And we want to work on this because it's going to trickle down. And explaining that to them because the trickle down theory, yes, we know it as coming from, you know, being on the floor where we hear stuff from higher ups and they want to do this and we don't know why, but they just want to do it. And we're going to do it because we need our paychecks to be signed at the end of the day yeah, kind of thing. And it's not asking why, um, which is my favorite question in the whole wide world. Why? Uh, but let me, let me ask you, know, you a question. Uh, that's not a why, why? question, but, <laughs> but. Um, I, as somebody who, um, most recently was in a communications role, I'm going to ask you because I know how I would answer this, but, uh, <clears throat> we're talking a lot about communicating to our teams and, and talking to the teams and, 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 and that sounds really, really great. Right. But what do you do when you have a team that, doesn't read their email, doesn't come to the meeting, oh. doesn't, doesn't oh, actually I, do those things. I'm not a big email, go to the meeting person. I am more of a, I'm going to go find this person and talk with them. Uh, I'm going to find out their schedule. I'm going to show up on shift kind of thing and talk with them face to face. As a leader, that's showing a little bit more that like, I understand that this is a pressing issue and I'm not just going to email all send it out and that I'm going to, Hey, I see that we're having this. I'm going to be here so I can physically see it with my eyes. And I want to talk to you and get more of like your feedback one-on-one -on -one because you're apparently experiencing this. I'm not, I would like to hear what you're going through. Yeah. And like, once you talk with your team more, it's going to get around more because we all know how that works. If you talk to two people on the team and they'll send by the end of the day, all eight people that are on shift know what's happening. Because they all do, we all talk, we all want to know what's going on, those kind of things. So if you have those people in your hospital that you're able to put a good shift lead into play, those kind of things, 
your people are comfortable going to your shift lead and saying, I'm a little confused as to why we're doing this again. And those shift leads can explain from a leadership standpoint why we're doing those things. Um, but it's all really more about like just being like a little transparent um, and kind of, you know, I will also tell people I'm going to put this in a regroup email. So this way, if you have any questions later, you can go back and refer to that email. Yes. I'll be more than happy to answer them anyway, but I'm not going to send you an email with the whole protocol. I'm going to send you a refresher of a bullet points. These are the top three things. And then that's that because I don't even have time to read my personal email. Yeah. Like uh, I'm you not don't want to see my email. There. I don't want to see. Yeah. Trust me. I don't need to see your whole breakdown email of like everything that was there, what the hospital made, what that money went to. I don't need to see that. I know that the nursing staff really only cares about, when are they going to fix the hot water at the wet table? We don't get hot water there. Like that's been a thing, you know, when are they going to get us new uh, telemetry stuff? You know, when are we getting a new tone pen? Tone pen broke. Like when is that? Those are the things that I know that the nursing staff going to care about. And as a leader, I'm going to make sure that those are the three things that they hear about first. Yeah. Because that's where their brain is going to be. And it's like, okay, do you want to hear about anything else that happened? Do you want me to tell you? No. Okay, cool. You don't, no problem. And it's, Perfect. I've no yeah. nursing staff. That's like, yes, I just want to know when the equipment is coming, when this is happening and are, do we get new uniforms? Does that happen? You know, those kind of things done. Yeah. If that's what they want to know, no problem. Yeah. I think, I think what you, you hit the nail on the head with the, the follow-up email, right? The mm -hmm. email shouldn't be 40 pages long. The email nope. should be, Hey guys, this is what we spoke about. This is a reminder in case you missed anything. Right. And it's the important yep. stuff. And then if there is a new protocol, this is where you find it. If mm -hmm. you need to review or you need to, you need the refresher or you don't like remember exactly what was stated, this is where you find yeah. it. And it needs to live there for, for eternity and yeah. not just like, oh, it's in some binder somewhere or whatever, because the worst is like, oh, I don't know. They never told yeah. us this. They never told us that. And the thing is, is like, if you, if you start with the conversation in person, you had the conversation and then you follow up with the email, the email is that follow up. And it's the like proof, if you will, that the conversation happened yeah. and they yeah. can review that and they can go back to that. I think that, you know, if you expect your team to read the, the email that comes out at no, like expected cadence it's not going to happen if you are a leader who really prefers to write I think that's fine I think that what needs to happen though is there needs to be a very clear decided cadence to when those come out so every Monday at 12 o'clock you get this update and it's going to have the very clearly outlined, this is what I need you to know. This is what I need you to do. This is like what's coming up, something like that. It needs to be on a cadence that they can expect. And it also needs to have like an expectation so that they're not just like, oh, by Tuesday, you know, all the things like that's not fair either. Right. It gets sent out yeah. on Monday by Wednesday, if you have any questions, this is how you can reach out to me, or this is how we yeah. can connect. Or on Wednesday, we have a team meeting so that, or open office hours or whatever it may be. I think that yeah. like coming up with what works for your team specifically, um, you know, in those bigger companies, 
in a smaller company, a smaller like hospital, I think it makes sense to say like, yes, I'm going to have those conversations. I think you're talking a 24 hour hospital, a big specialty clinic, a, an organization wide communication, you're going to have to fall onto email. But I think that mm -hmm email or newsletter or, or a intranet type of thing, whatever works for your company. But I think that making sure that there is some sort of cadence that you stick to, and if it can't be put out for whatever reason, if it's a holiday or something that's communicated ahead of time, not like two minutes ahead of time, but like ahead of time, you know, a week or two, I, I think that we, we tend to be super, reactive to things in vet med and being a little bit more proactive will show our teams that we care. Yeah. I also think too, like you have said perfectly, what's going to work best for your team. Mm -hmm. It's not always emails, you know, um, kind of like a chat kind of thing. Those types of things aren't going to, to resonate with everyone and finding out from your team the best way for them to get information is a yeah. big one. Um, I know some people that are like, I don't even, oh, I have an email, but I haven't opened my email address in like six months and they open it up and there's like 65,000 emails in there. Um, those notifications make my eyes twitch when I see like all those red bubbles on people's phones. And I'm like, how do you have that? And don't, oh, um, but it, there's some people are totally fine with it. <laughs> do I make so you cry? 101,147. <laughs> <laughs> your phone yes that does make my, my eye, eye but then there's also people that move that off of their home screen so they don't yeah. see it right away <laughs> so but it's finding out from your team like which way are they going to be able to communicate best um I used to when I would send out weekly update emails um in that email um my team would get excited because I would put like a riddle in there and be like first person to come with me with the answer wins that's how you can yeah, like, actually answer their it, email. <laughs> yeah, like stick it, like stick that in there. Or like if you can come, like I had one time um I put it in there, like come up to me and like literally like cluck like a chicken and you'll get a reward. And three people came running down the hallway just going cluck, 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 cluck. And everybody's like, what's going on? <gasps> the email. And that's how they were able to like little things, but that's how my team responded. And that's how I knew that they were reading their updates and knew where to find protocols, where to find, you know, we were getting new reps and stuff like that, where to find those uh, drug reps information, those things. I knew that they were reading that, but that's also because I was like, what's the best way for me to contact you all and like, make sure you're getting this information. And they're like, Ugh. and I'm like, well, it's a lot. We are a bigger company. Um, what if I did my emails? I sent them every, every Tuesday at this time. And there's, an incentive in that email would you then like read it all the way through and sometimes I would stick it like towards the middle I would stick it towards the end I would stick it at the beginning but was like you can't come do this yet because there's something that you need to tell me that's going to be at the end of this email kind of thing so and wording them too so it's for them I mean not everybody's going to care about P uh PLs and you know NPS scores and stuff like that like they don't even know what that means. Yeah. You know, unless you, unless they ask you like, what does this mean and why does it impact me? I would not even bother trying to explain that to your average nurse or assistant that's on the floor. Cause that's the last thing that they're really going to be caring about. The only thing like we know is 
what hits their paycheck at the end of the day, basically. And tying so, that back to, to what we were talking about originally, which we've totally gotten off topic, but off that's top, okay, yeah. um, is the people who are asking those questions, what is that? How does that impact me? Those are your leaders. Exactly. Right? Those are the people yep. that you, like, at, as you're going day to day, these are the people that you're keeping track of. These are the people that you want to have those conversations of like, hey, where do you see yourself in a year or two? Because they see that you're a really, really great communicator. And I would love to explore more if you're interested. You know, I, I think that we should all as leaders in our hospitals, as managers in our hospitals, and I'm using the terms interchangeably, interchangeably right now, but in a future episode, we're definitely going to break down the differences between leadership and manager because they are not yeah. the same thing. Um, no. <laughs> However, uh, for the purpose of this conversation, um, just bear with me. Uh, but the, you know, I think that it's really important to to be if you're in that role and you're looking to grow yourself, you need to build that bench of people that you can bring into those supervisor roles, those leadership roles, those manager roles eventually, so that you can move up and move out. Because let's be real, nobody's going to want to promote you into that area manager, regional manager, operations director role, if you have nobody to replace you, that's going to continue the the trajectory and the, the progress that you've made. So if you, if you're the manager or the leader that is just doing everything for everybody, and that's why your hospital is being successful, that's not a long game. That's a short game. You need the long game by finding those people in your hospital or finding those people outside that will eventually be in that seat that you can train and teach and grow and have that bench waiting for you for when you're ready or when that position opens for you. And so, you know, keeping those people in the back of your mind, the people who are looking to say like, what does KPI mean? What is, what are the financials? I'm really interested in the business side of things. I'm really interested in the leadership side of things. I'm really interested in, in how you have these conversations. I noticed this, I noticed that. And you only get to know that when you're actually on the floor and when you're actually with mm -hmm. your people and when you're actually having conversations and you're not hiding behind email or hiding behind chat or hiding behind your computer. Yeah, that was perfectly said. And I feel like that is my piece for today. <laughs> that was like perfectly said. No, agreed, agreed a thousand percent with everything that you said. Um, it's also like making sure that that person wants that role. Yeah, yeah. A big part of it. You yeah. Know? You might think that they may be a great person for that role, but they might be like, no, I'm good being my assistant, you know, kind of self and, you know, maybe encouraging them to be like, hey, I still think that you would be a great leader you know, maybe give them some more skill, like more opportunities to grow those skills and see. But if you do have those people that are like, no, I know I'm like, I'm good. I just don't think like I would be like a great thing. Dig a little bit deeper. Those people may have been hurt in the last places that they've worked at. They may have been told things and, you know, once again, broken promises, but like, don't be scared and to dig just a little bit deeper and like talk to them be like, I would love to talk with you a little bit more about this. If you're comfortable talking with it, um, I'm really sorry, you know, like if things happened before in the past, but set that expectation and be like, things are different, different here. That's happened yeah. to me before, yeah. you know, where I personally didn't put something on my resume and went and worked for a company and they found out and they're like, why didn't you say anything? And I flat out said, um, because you would want me to train all your people. 
And they said, nope, we actually have roles for that. And they talked to me more about what was there, but I didn't get to have that conversation with my manager at the beginning during the hiring process and all of that stuff because they needed a whole bunch of people for a whole bunch of seats. And I was like, cool, I could do ER. I could jump in. No problem. Um, But then, you know, two, three months down the line after I've been working there for a while is when we were able to have those conversations. Um, But they still checked in with me, which I think was still another big piece as to why I also stayed with that company. Yeah. um, Is having those check-ins. Yeah. Um, And I also think like making sure like when you're saying that you're going to have one-on-ones with your team and stuff like that, that you're doing your best to follow up and making sure that those are happening. Yeah. Um, understand that they can get away from you as leaders and managers, um, but being open and still trying to make sure that those happen within a timely manner from when it was supposed to happen, even if it doesn't happen that day. Um, giving your support staff the options too. Yeah. Like, hey, I know we didn't get to meet today. Um, I'm available for Zoom tomorrow if you'd like to. You know, we could do that. Or when you come in for your next shift, if you don't mind coming in for an hour early, I'll pay you for that hour just so we can chat. Yeah. Um, that shows your support staff that you care so much, um, that you're willing to do those things. And I'm willing to now do more for you because you're willing to do more for me Yeah. kind of thing. And it's that big give and take. Yeah. Yeah. Or stay later or like be mm-hmm. willing to, to, to do things within your means, right? Like I'm, I'm a a mom of young kids. So staying late is hard for me, but I will go out of my way to make sure that my husband is around to take care of the kids on this day and, and let my staff know, Hey, this is the day that I have. And I want to be there for you. So I'm staying until 11 o'clock and we're going to chat wet at this time or, or during this time period, um, when things get, get, um, not as crazy. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll pick another day and we'll do it again, you know, and, and yep, we'll do it all over making sure that that is blocked out. And honestly, yes, things will go wrong and and emergencies will come in and something's going to happen. But if you are planning ahead, you should have somebody else on the floor that can take that person's place so that you can have that conversation. That's how you show people that you care. That's how you show yeah. people that they're important and their their feelings matter, what they're going through matters, um, you know, and making sure that you spend time with everyone on your team at some point. I actually recently was talking to somebody who said she didn't even know who the, she said the name of the person. I don't, I don't even know who that is. And I was like, that's the chief operating officer of your company. And she didn't know who the person was and they work in the same building. It's not like this person worked in an office in another state somewhere else, like in a big corporate, it, it's a smaller organization and that all of the executives work within that building and she didn't know who she was. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's a part, like that just says a lot without saying anything. And so if you are in those roles and you're in those positions, make sure that you're visible, make sure that people know you. And, and I, I know, I know deep down that it's not because you don't want people to know who you are or you don't care. It's just, that you have so much going on and the company is getting larger and things are happening, right? 
And so things fall to the wayside, but it's so important for the future of our business to be seen, to be there for each and every team member, because you don't know who that person could be. I mean, how many times, seriously, how many times have you in the last 10 years come across somebody that you worked with early, early on. And you're like, holy cow, right? Like there's people that I have been managed by. There's people that I manage that like, you need to like, take care of the people that are coming in because who knows, they might be your boss in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like really it's happened. It's happened. You know, it's it's happened to me too, where I, trained somebody like 11 years ago and all of a sudden I was talking with somebody else and they're like oh I'm going for an interview at so-and-so clinic um the practice manager and they dropped the name and I'm like oh my gosh I taught that person how to hold a syringe yeah and so like who knows like wow right (laughs) which is amazing but amazing if you didn't treat that person well now, how does that look for you if you're now looking for a job? Or how does that look for you if you're like, we need to make sure that we are on it and we're taking care yeah. of the people and we're supporting them. And especially if we want to be effective communicators, effective leaders and grow this profession. I mean, underneath this sweatshirt, I have the the shirt that says, you know, be the change that you wish to see in vet med. And here I am like stripping on, on YouTube, but seriously, like, how do we be that change? We be that change by truly supporting our people from day one. I feel like I'm just like dropping bombs all day. I feel like mic drop. I feel like that's like, (laughs) that was like perfect. I can't even follow up with anything for that one because it's really, it is, you know, start supporting your people from day one. Yeah. And if you don't feel supported, ask for support. And if you're not getting that support, I mean, do I say it? (laughs) If you're not getting that support, find someone who will support you. I mean, you're listening to two people that will support you. From afar always or we will always support from afar yeah <laughs> we will always give you support um but it's totally it's it is one of those if you're not getting the support then look for it yeah go out there and find it yeah because it exists and we're here at leading veterinary teams to support you like we we are doing this because we want to support people and we want to give leaders, managers, people in the vet med industry, the support that we never had. Um, And hopefully that resonates and we'll continue to have you listen to our show. (laughs) And on that note, um, I, I guess that that is all Uh, next week uh, or two weeks from now, because we we um, post every two weeks, two weeks from now, I will be talking to a woman named Emily. She is not this Emily, not not this one, Um, but another one. She is a um, a veterinary social worker, and she's going to be talking to us all about how as leaders in our hospitals, we can support our teams from her perspective, which I think will be really cool. Um, so yeah. tune in in two weeks for that. And uh, that's it. Thanks for tuning in.